welcome to the About Life with Joe podcast. I'm Joe, and your life is about to get better. Please subscribe and enjoy. In this episode, Sarah and I talk about her journey from corporate America to Soul Cycle to Air Bond and to love and beyond. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Hi. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited. I'm excited that we're in person. Me too. So it's our very in first, our first in-person podcast, and I can't think of anybody better to do it with than you. I'm so honored to be your first in-person. Mm. I'm so nervous. It's my first podcast oh ever. Oh my gosh. Nervous. No, you're going to, you're, you have nothing to be nervous about. I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody how we know each other. So, because I think it's hard, it'll be hard to follow our conversation unless you understand the backstory, right? Yeah. So Sarah is a dear friend of mine and I met her when she was in her 20s, it was six years ago. Yeah, I must have been, I was 26 when I moved to Boston. 26. And I was a avid SoulCycle writer at the time and I still love SoulCycle so much and Sarah was teaching a class at the Back Bay Studio in Boston. And I took the class and I remember thinking, this is not like a class, this is an outer body experience. This is a completely different situation. So I marched my little bossy Greek self up there and I'm assessing this. My whole goal when you said to everybody that you were from, you had just moved there from New York is to not get you to move back to New York. I was completely on a mission. And I said to you, hi, you know, I'm Joanna, and, you know, welcome to Boston, and I don't want you to move back to New York. Why are you here? <laughs> it was just something like that, right? Well, it was funny because my, my contract moving from New York to Boston was for one year, and that was, like, that was my thing. I was like, I will go to Boston for one year. That's what you thought. And then I will move back to New York um, to like open the studio, get it running, get it going. And then I'm coming back to New York city. Mm -hmm. So how'd that work out for you? (laughs) (laughs) And then I've been here for six years. Yeah. So she does that you guys. And she, you know, is very polite and very sweet and says to me, well, I'm from here. I came home. And immediately as the mother of two daughters, I thought, I hope my daughters end up like this. So it became in that one class, like the best, music DJ ever I've ever heard in my life. The super incredible energy, unbelievable workout experience, spiritual experience. And then I was like, why want my kids to be like this? So I'm like, I know we're going to be friends. I just knew it. And I just absolutely loved all of the people that I, that you have brought into my life. Like you had this really eclectic group and have an eclectic group of riders. I put myself in there as one of the, but there's, let's talk about that, this group that came together that was so well, awesome. You know what's funny is that the, everyone that works the front desk or the studio managers at SoulCycle, they say that instructors, riders tend to be like the instructor. <laughs> so. If the instructor is like a little bit more demanding, the riders tend to be a little bit more demanding. If the instructor is really laid back, the riders tend to be a little laid back. Mm. So I feel like what you're saying is like, we do kind of create a community that 
obviously, and it kind of just naturally happens that totally. people are drawn, you know, because everybody kind of has their own thing. And then as a writer, you're drawn to the people that speak to you. A hundred percent. And then that happened for me too, that I was meeting all of these people coming to my class that like really spoke to me too. So that's a really cool thing I think about SoulCycle and especially SoulCycle Boston. And that's probably one of the things that really kept me here. Yeah. And plus all the voodoo I did on you. Like I yeah. did, I did like a lot of voodoo. I was like, <laughs> but one of the um, really beautiful things that I had learned about you very early on and what completely just, I think is so special. I think there's a lot of special things about you. I think you're a very old soul in a very young hip body. Okay. And you have this uh, incredible, uh, sense of people and how um, how you wanted your life to, to be. And when you moved to Boston, you said, I want to fall. I want to meet somebody. I want to fall in love. I want to get married. I want to have children. And we were all like swooning. I mean, all of us, because a lot of us were married or are married. And there were an age range in our group from 70 years, almost 70 years old. She'll kill me because she's not 70 yet, but like, <laughs> you know who you are. She's almost 70 years old um, to a college student. So there was, there, were this, there was this really dynamic group of women and we knew you when you were single. You are no longer single. You can see your beautiful engagement ring to, you know, to the love of your life. And we knew you through your journey to Matt. And we spent a lot of time yeah. talking about what it was and like how you wanted your life to be. And, and it's really interesting how everything that you dreamt about came true. But I want to back up and get, and get even, go even further back and Tell people how you even came to Boston from New York and how you even got involved to SoulCycle, in SoulCycle because I think that that's super important. It's so inspirational, especially to the women that are considering a career change, that don't feel fulfilled in their current job and they're thinking of taking a risk. I mean, you took a huge risk. So you were at Tommy Hilfiger in the corporate New York. Tell me about your New York life. So you're in your 20s. You graduate from... St. Lawrence, you end up going to New York, you get the dream, like, dream job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I graduated college, I moved back home, I worked at a restaurant for about six months, and then I landed my dream job at Tommy Hilfiger Corporate, um, doing special events and marketing, and it sounded really, really cool. On paper. Um, on paper, yeah. yeah. And I did get to do some really cool things. I had some amazing experiences. But the day-to-day, -day, I found out pretty quickly that going to an office from like 8 until 7 or 8 at night really just didn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. And I would walk to work and I would see people like jogging on the street or I would go out and grab lunch on days that I had time to and I would see people jogging around and I had these I was always just like oh god I wish that I could go for a run right now mm -hmm. um, and as the time went on I was at Tommy Hilfiger for two years and then I ended up going to Calvin Klein for a year 
And I thought going from Tommy to Calvin, like maybe Tommy Hilfiger wasn't, just wasn't the right atmosphere. Maybe mm -hmm. Calvin Klein was gonna be a little bit better. Um, and while I did really like the people that I was working with, I just like, I knew that it just wasn't right for me. Um, and I kept thinking to myself like, my Monday through Friday is stolen from me. Like, I'm just living for Saturday and Sunday, and I had a Blackberry at the time <laughs> um, that I was on 24-7, even on weekends. And for work? For work, okay. yeah. Um, because that's what it was like then. Tell people what it was like then. Like, you just worked Yeah, it was, it was constant. Constant. Like, I had a personal iPhone, and I had a Blackberry. Mm -hmm. And the Blackberry, for work, I was on all the time. Yeah. Um, and that was to be expected. Like, yeah, that was normal. That was the job. In their 20s today, people do not, like, can, can you imagine telling somebody that they would have to be on call all the time? Like, it's been a, it's been a change, but yes, yeah, so, it, yeah. It was, yeah, so I just, I had a feeling, I knew that it just, it wasn't right. Yeah. So it was probably about a year and a half mm -hmm. into working for Tommy Hilfiger that um, my job sort of, it was, it sort of morphed into becoming like an executive assistant role, which wasn't really the role that I was told I was being hired for, but it, it kind of turned into that. Um, and one of my jobs was to book my boss's Soul Cycle bikes Mondays at noon, and it was like super important. She was very specific on like what class, what instructor, what bike, and I would lock myself in a conference room Mondays at noon <laughs> and make sure that she got the bikes that she needed. So after a little while of doing this, and her talking about soul cycle, soul cycle, soul cycle, she loved it so much. I was like, okay, let me book myself a bike and see what this is about. Um, and the first class I went to, I sat in the back corner in Union Square, New York City, and I just loved it. And then I went to a class, that was a Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., and then I went to a class on a Saturday, and the instructor had blue hair, covered in tattoos, and I was just like, she is the coolest person. <laughs> I just want to be her. And, and I just knew that that's what I had to do. So um, I rode in classes for about a year. I went from Tommy to Calvin Klein. And then um, I auditioned to be an instructor. My dad told me that I was crazy. Let's talk about your dad for a minute and what his reaction was. Like, here you are, and I can get it as a parent. Like, you've got, like, your firstborn daughter. Like, she checks all the boxes on paper, like, like you were saying with Tommy yeah. Hilfiger, right? Or, like, goes to a great college, has an actual paying job, so she's not hustling or working between two or three jobs in New York City. She's got a great place to live, she's living the life, like everything, every parent at that point is like, okay, I don't even have to think about this situation anymore. And then you call your dad and you say, I'm, I'm, le I'm leaving it all. Yeah, up until that point, I had done everything right. Like, I played sports, I got good grades, I went to a good college, I graduated with a great GPA and a double degree and then I went to New York City and I got the job that I was supposed to get and then I got another role like the role the step up from that job that I was supposed to get and I had never really done anything in my life up until that point that like 
wasn't on paper what you're supposed to do. And I had a lot of internal pressure to continue to be like the perfect daughter kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So when I told my dad I was auditioning for SoulCycle, I think he was just like, oh, this is going to be, you know, like a, a silly like a, thing like a fad, that she does. Right? Yeah. And then I ended up getting it. And then I had to make a decision. Am I going to quit my job? Because at the time, SoulCycle um, training was three months mm -hmm. and it was a it was full time. And you go into training with no guarantee of getting hired for the job on the other side. So I had to make the decision. Am I going to quit my job at Calvin Klein with an income, benefits, 401k, health insurance, health right. insurance all of it, to go into this three-month, full-time, unpaid training with no guarantee of being hired on the other side? Wow. And if I am hired on the other side, no guarantee of how many classes I'm going to get, where I'm going to teach. So I really didn't know where money was going to come from. Plus, my family they're really kind of like, um, you know, it's sink or swim. Like, yeah. when I told them that I was going to do it, they were like, okay. You're on your own. You know, if, if you fail, you're moving back to Boston. Like, we're not going to pay. They're not going to pay for my rent. They're not right. going to help me out with groceries or anything like that. If this fails, then you come back to Boston. You move back in with like I moved back in with my dad and I'm a waitress again and, I, and you know I start from scratch so you start like behind from scratch like you go back yeah, like I go it's backwards. like you go backwards yeah so in theory. thinking about it now I kind of can't believe I made the choice that I made um, because it was such a risk but I get like like I had such a strong gut feeling uh -huh. that working a desk job a Monday through Friday was not for me I had such an incredibly strong feeling that Soul Cycle was where I needed to go. Like, you felt it. It was, and it was so strong. And I had a meditation coach at the time. So um, that's em Emily Fletcher. Emily Fletcher. Okay, yeah. so for those of you who don't know, so Emily Fletcher does, and if I mess it up, you tell me, okay? So she is, it's a mantra based meditation. It's um, kind of in, theoretically like a, under a Buddhist kind of theme practice, but she yeah. made it accessible to the masses, which I find very, very brilliant. You know, I'm a transcendental meditator, as you know, and it is a, a form of transcendental meditation. Yeah. And she's, so you talk about, I remember one of the very first things we talked about was your meditation coach and like how she would kind of flow into the room and like her energy was so amazing. And you think that that not you think, you know that that had a huge influence on making that decision, right? A hundred percent. So she taught or, and teaches Vedic meditation, okay. which is very similar to transcendental yep. meditation, which is what you do. Um, twice a day. Twice a day, 20 minutes a day. Yep. Um, and it really, really helped me understand, it really helped me figure out what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I was so clear on what I wanted and what I didn't want that it brought me to a point where I couldn't not make the decision to do what I did. It was made for it, you. It came down to, am I going to be miserable mm -hmm. and be safe? Or am I going to let myself try something and maybe stumble? 
but I really, really, I knew that because I wanted SoulCycle so badly mm -hmm. and I got it, it, it kind of came to me, not easily, but it just, it kind of worked. It was obvious. Yeah, it worked. Mm -hmm. I mean, I worked very, very hard for it for the year that I rode in classes and then I really practiced um, and I auditioned and then I got it and I, I never thought that I was going to get it, but I did. And I was like, this has to mean something. Mm -hmm. um, and it came down to a point where I just knew if I don't try this, I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life. I'm going to wonder for the yeah. rest of my life. And Emily Fletcher teaching me Vedic meditation, she said to me, I have, I don't know that I've ever seen someone so clear on what they want. I have the chills right now as you're saying that. Yeah, she, because I, w I was also so full of anxiety. I was like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to, what, what do I do if I can't pay my rent? What do I do if, if SoulCycle doesn't give me classes? What do I do if, I, if SoulCycle doesn't give me a job, you know? Um, and she said, you, I have not, I don't know if I've ever seen someone so clear. And the universe has now opened up a path for you to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to go down it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I did. And while I was in training for the three months unpaid training, I got a bartending job. So I was, I was doing soul cycle training. I was riding in like two or three classes a day. And then I would go bartend all night. Till like four in the morning. Till, yeah, yeah, three or four in the morning. And then, you know, I would sleep a couple hours and I would do it again. And it was exhausting, but looking back on it, it was so worth it. And I'm also really proud of myself that I went and I got a bartending job because I also knew in the back of my head, I'm not just gonna drain, you know, my savings mm -hmm. or anything like that to, to do this. I'm gonna make sure that I have some sort of income coming mm -hmm. in. Um, and you were 24 at the time. I was 25, 25. because I was going to lose my health insurance at 26. Okay. Um, because I knew I had health insurance through Calvin Klein, um, but I could also be on my parents' health insurance until I was 26. So I think they had just changed that law. <laughs> like I know, I know for the oh, girls. Oh, did they change yeah, it yeah. now? It wasn't. It wasn't. No, no. It's, the still, time. it's still like that now, but it's it. When we, when I was in my 20s, it was like 21 and you're like done. But they, they had, they had. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I knew I could be on my parents until I was 26 um, and I was 25. So that was something that I really had to consider also. So there's just like all this risk. I think this is really important to tell people, to, so people can understand, and especially women in their 20s, to hear this story they see you, they see you on social media, they see you in the class, they see the end product, they see the polished, you know, very, very popular, amazing instructor, amazing person, like so successful, and they think it just happens. And I think that story um, and the journey to get there and all that you had to give up, the risk that you had to take, the fact that you were okay if you failed, Okay, like, well, I, I would say I, wa I wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't, wasn't an, an option, option to fail because I was not okay with the idea <laughs> of moving home. Okay. And I think that that's why I got the bartending job right away okay. because I said to myself, if SoulCycle does fail, 
then I'm going to bartend until I figure out what I'm going to do next because moving home was not an option. So you had a plan in place. You had you had built like this safety net that wasn't ideal, but at the same time it was going to keep you where you wanted to be. Yeah, I th I think in my mind it was I'm going to take this leap and if it's sink or swim, I have to swim. Yeah. I just I can't let it so Fail. it's like Deepak Chopra says, right? Do you know that he say, okay, I don't know if, I'm sure I've told you this before because I say it all the time. He says, once you decide to do something, you make an unchangeable decision for which it is impossible to go back. And it sounds like with the meditation, with the universe, like showing you that it was an option, you literally made an unchangeable decision for which it was impossible to go back. He talks about it in his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. He quotes it in a lot of his talks. And you and I were talking before we even started filming, and I was saying, you know, I have to get really clear about what I want. And, I, and you said, interestingly enough, you have to allow things, right? So you kind of, do you feel like in that time in your life, you allowed, like you saw the soul cycle door open and then you're like, I got to blow this wide open and I got to make sure I'm always invited in that room, right? And then you just, you just went for it in a good old fashioned, gritty Boston girl, like <laughs> way. Yeah, I knew that it was, I knew that if I did it, it had to be all out. I had to 100% commit to it and I, just, and I just couldn't let it fail. And I knew that people were successful doing it. Mm -hmm. So I did think, like, why can't, why not me? Why, why not me? Right. And I'm going to make it be me. Because I, I think also with quitting my job, with taking such a risk, with not many people in my life agreeing with the choice that I made. Did anyone agree? My mom, my mom said, you have to follow your heart. I love that. My mom did. Yeah. Um... But really, aside from her, and, and at the time, SoulCycle wasn't what it is now. Now you say SoulCycle, and everybody knows what SoulCycle is. It was new. It was only it was a New only York in um, New York and LA mm -hmm. and San Francisco, I think. Um, and it was a little bit like Sarah's quitting her job to go to like Susie's spin class. Like, <laughs> you know, people people really didn't understand what I was doing. Um, so I definitely had. I definitely, that also lit a fire that I had to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. So you were motivated, yeah. like the extra motivation. And I think it was interesting because who could have, I don't think there has ever been another exercise movement like SoulCycle. Because at that time, I mean, I don't think there has been a movement like that, like a, a community that is created in a classroom taking an exercise class. It became this spiritual workout. And it was just a very different, it was a movement. And yeah. so being part of that movement, I think, shaped you. You know, aside from the fact that you couldn't sit in a desk from nine to five or eight to seven or whatever it was, like your soul was not fed either. And SoulCycle, I think, changed like your genetic composition. Would you agree? 
Like it, 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 it enhanced things that were there. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely, I, I so knew that the, that the corporate route was not what I wanted to be doing. And then when I went to SoulCycle, it felt so right. Yeah. And then I was given the opportunity to create something for myself and for other people in my own space and in my own way that it just, it, I mean, it all just aligned. And I think that that's, I mean, that's kind of, I think that that's just what you have to do more than anything is that like, if something doesn't feel right, then it's not right. And if, yeah. and when something does, that's what you have to go with no matter how difficult that decision might be. And how, you know, how we started talking when, when I moved to Boston, I was 26. I had been single in New York City for mm -hmm. four years. Um, and I was kind of ready to like find love, my person. Yep. Yeah, and, and I have to say all of the relationships that I was in before I found him, mm -hmm. there was always a really strong feeling that it wasn't right. Yeah, and we would talk, always. And we would yeah. talk about that. And, and, it was, about and it was loud. And I didn't want to listen to it. Well, you would hear it, and I think it's not that you didn't want to listen to it. You, it's almost like you didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. Yeah, yeah you listened to it. You definitely listened to it, and you would. You I would, definitely heard it. You heard it, but I made excuses for it. Right, and we all helped you because that's what friends do, and we all helped you make excuses for it yeah. because you want ultimately. And I think that this is an interesting perspective. Like you want your friends that you love. You know, you you love your friends and you want them to be happy. And you want them to have what they want to have. And when they think they find what they want to have, like in your case, we would all support whatever it was for you to have that. And then your gut would always creep up and you would know that something wasn't right, like didn't yeah. feel right. Like, and and you learned a lot, right? Like, you shouldn't feel anxiety and love. Anxiety and love do not go together. They're polar opposites. If you feel anxiety and you're dating somebody, that's not your person. I'm just, if you're yeah. feeling anxiety, I'm going to make that bold statement. If you're dating somebody and you are feeling anxious while you are dating them, do not marry that person, okay? PSA, do not marry that person. <laughs> No, but it's true. I, I had incredible anxiety in the relationships that I was in before the one I'm in now. Yeah. And, and it's comparable to leaving Tommy Hilvarian and Calvin Klein yeah. and going to SoulCycle. It was like, I knew that there was something so wrong and then there was something so right about SoulCycle. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what Tommy Hilvarian and Calvin Klein sounded like or maybe looked like on the outside, me going there every day and and being in it wasn't right. And then Soul Cycle, it just it was just this feeling. And and it is the same kind of thing looking back on the wrong relationships that I was in. Mm -hmm. Was it just never felt right. And I did have incredible anxiety, which yeah. you know about because you yeah. heard it all the time. Right. Um, and then when I found the right person, that all it all went away and it and it just and it just felt right. And it fit. Yeah, it just worked. So I think that that's a really important conversation to have, to like, to have with yourself. And it's interesting, as our relationship, yours and mine, has evolved through the years. Like, I had to tell you a couple of years ago that I was leaving 
my husband of 23 years, which you and I had gone on couple dates together. We are, you know, you've been, you know, my family, like I, and I had always painstakingly so painted this image to the outside world that it was what I wanted it to be. And I was lying to myself first and to everybody else. And I think I said that to you initially in the text. I said, I didn't, and I didn't want someone who was so young and so wanting love to even think like that this was, that it could be this bad. And I didn't want like to jade, I, I, I really wanted to believe it myself, but I also didn't want to jade you. And I think that that was so interesting. I came, when I texted you and I, and I let you know that I was leaving, I said, you know, I'd been lying. I had been lying to myself first, and I was feeling like all that anxiety that you were feeling, I was like that every single day, pretty much in my marriage. So I know what that feels like. It should not feel like that. You're, you know, when, you're, when your Scooby sense is, it's not right, it's not right. Um, I believe everything happens in the time it's supposed to happen, so I know you and I both think that. But it's hard to, un to leave everything after you've created it. So if you are in the dating phase and you are feeling anxious with the guy that you're dating, that is not your guy, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know. I knew. You knew. I knew. Yeah. I just didn't. I wasn't ready to, I wasn't ready to tell myself that I knew. Because then you're worried about, well, what's next, right? Like, what's next? So we don't know what's next. We think we know what's next, but we don't know what's next. But how does that tie into, okay, so now you're, you're with the love of your life. You found your soulmate. You're, you're building a family. All of these exciting things are happening, and this is exactly what you wanted. This is what you moved to Boston for and tell everybody you're moving away now, right? So you meet, yeah. everything happens, it like all happens in this, I would say pretty natural and, and pretty quickly after you made the decision to just surrender, right? Matt just comes into your life. And I remember saying to you, you know, when I would ride in class and, and a lot of us, we'd, we had been through your heartaches or your breakups with you. We were very like um, invested in your, in, your, in your life. We be, all became like this little soul family. You would call us your soul moms, right? Yeah. And I remember thinking when I would close my eyes and especially in a, in a song that is signature to you or like if like Tiny Dancer would play or something like a really like, or any Ed Sheeran, like anytime there was Ed, I would think to myself, he's out there, he's coming, he's coming for you. I just knew it. And I know a lot of that was energetic exchange through our class, all of us, right? And then Matt literally just kind of stumbles into your life. Like you weren't, it just happened. Yeah, I definitely wasn't looking for him. You were not looking for him. Um, yeah, it probably wasn't even great timing when he showed up. Well, it was the best timing. It was divine I guess, timing. Yeah, I guess. Um, he came to class, I remember. 
yeah, he came to class with all of you guys, and he didn't know. To this day, he might not know. Well, he knows now. <laughs> Matt, we all saw you in class. We like, walked in late. We were all waiting, and then we're like, where is he? Where is he? And then he comes in, and we're like, okay. And then we all hung out the locker rooms after, yeah. and we're like, okay, let's see. Let's see this guy. guy. We're like all mom up. Like, we're like going to take him down, all like five foot three, 95 pounds of me. I was like... Don't mess with Sarah, like whatever. But he was so sweet. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, it just it just it just worked. And there wasn't a lot of anxiety. Well there wasn't any. Yeah. There wasn't any anxiety. I mean that's not to say that we don't like get a real relationship or have disagreements, but um, but yeah, I don't I don't get anxiety about I don't, I don't second guess myself about him. Yeah, because it's or have person. conversations with myself right. about him, which I always, it was, I was always having, with everybody else. We have never had a conversation from the day you met Matt ever about what. There was no like what if. It was always just, it just. We all knew, and then like we could just see your happiness, and we could that you were in love and when you got engaged well we'll show everybody this fabulous so gorgeous um, we were just it, it just it just fit and so we're like super duper happy but now if you could go back and tell yourself something in your years when you were when you were wait when you were before you met Matt like if you could go back and give yourself advice during that time when you were dating for all those people dating who have not found those their person yet what would you say to yourself i mean i feel like it sounds so cliche but i would just say trust your gut yeah because your gut just always knows it knew my gut knew it wasn't right for me to be working at tommy hilfiger and calvin klein Mm -hmm. and thank god i trusted it and went to soul cycle and my gut knew when i was in relationships that weren't working um, and you know, eventually those ended and thank, thankfully, thank, so. thankfully yep. yeah. Um, but I always, I always knew you just know. And I think what you were, what you were saying about earlier, um, where like your friends always want to support you through relationships. Um, I have to say my dad has always been really, really good about that too. My dad won't ever give me unsolicited advice. Um, if I call my dad and I'm upset about something, one thing that I really appreciate about him is he'll listen and then he'll ask, do you want my advice? Mm-hmm. Do you want my opinion? And if I say yes, he'll give it. And if I say no, then he won't. And he has definitely let me make my own mistakes and like stumble and, and learn along the way. And I think that he thought that's what was going to happen with SoulCycle. Um, which that thankfully that thankfully I was right yeah there you go um but I think with friendships too like you just you have to let your friends stumble through it and and if they don't want your advice or they're not ready to hear it yet then you just have to let them go through it and I think about my dad seeing me in these relationships that were clearly not right right and just like letting me do it and trusting that I would figure it out. I think that that's so, that's a great reminder. Like, 
you have really, really solid instincts. You do. You know how to navigate, you, you get it, and you have to trust yourself and trust the process. And I think that that's something that we all, like we wanna make it all okay for everybody else, so we just wanna intervene, but like they have to go through their own process because like you wouldn't even be able to appreciate the relationship and the marriage that you're going to have, this long, beautiful, wonderful marriage, if you didn't have those other experiences. I think that like everything leads you to where you're supposed to go, which is another interesting thing because here you are at SoulCycle, you're like at the top of your game, you are one of the top instructors, all this goes on, and then we're literally having dinner at, you know, at, at March of 2020, maybe the first week of March in 2020, and we're having friend, a dinner with another writer, a friend of ours, right? And we're all like, oh, okay, well, like two weeks, and it'll all be, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh. we're like, maybe this is the last dinner that we have, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and and yeah. it was, it was like yeah. the, literally the last supper, yeah. right? We didn't see each other for like a year after, physically in person. The whole world shut down, I think a week later. Soul Cycle on a business level and the whole fitness industry just completely shut down. Mm -hmm. And you have now had to pivot once again. And so be before your Soul Cycle, before this happened with the pandemic and all of that, you had been working with Airbon and, you know, doing a few, like low key, you were just, you know, you were using the products yourself and then you would share what you, what you loved. And I then started to use the products that I love. And then our friends started to use the products and we're like, oh, these are great. I mean, that's what I have on today. I have like my Airbon powder, my gloss, like I, I love it, right? Yeah. Um, and I love that and I love, you know, I love other products too, but I, you know, I really just, it's good stuff. Yeah. And so we're sitting at that dinner and then you're like, oh, wondering what's going to happen with everybody's work. And Soul Cycle literally just shuts down. So you have this little air bond thing kind of going on the side here, but then the whole world and Soul Cycle shuts down. What happened? Like, what, like, were you like, oh shit? Yeah. I mean, so at that point, I had built my soul cycle career to a place where I was seeing full rooms every single time I taught. And wait lists. Um, yeah, and wait lists. And, and I had built myself really to a place that I was really proud of and, and where I had always envisioned I would be with soul cycle. Um, so I was kind of like, you had I was feeling the, really good had, about it. Yeah, you had reached like a career goal, I would say, at yeah. soul cycle. As a, as a writer in your class, like, that was always like, you know, at noon on Mondays, you needed to, you needed to book your survivor. You needed to book your, you need your special classes that you would teach because you couldn't get in. Yeah, I had, I had really built, I had built a community. Uh, for sure. Um, so, I, which I was really proud of. I had started thinking like maybe a year prior to that, um, what might be next after SoulCycle? Hmm. Um, and I never, I never really saw myself leaving SoulCycle, but I did start having thoughts. Um, I did start having thoughts like, what might happen if I got injured? Or what might happen when my body really doesn't feel like it can teach 14 classes a week? Um, what might happen 
like if I want to make more money. Um, we make money per class, so right, and then you would you teach have to teach more classes to make more money. If right, you and then you to. would be in the morning, and then sometimes at, at lunch, and then sometimes at dinner. So it's not like you could do anything in those three-hour chunks. Yeah, I, I started feeling. I just started having thoughts about what what might I want to do either next or like on top of mm -hmm. Soul Cycle. And at that point, I had been teaching for maybe five years. Um, and it was always a question, which is kind of funny. It was always a question from other people. Well, what are you gonna What are you gonna do next? Um, which is funny because people in typical career paths don't get asked that question. <laughs> no. Um, and I remember one time you were considering partnering with a brand, a new brand. There were brands that would approach you all the time to you know in, you know support them and be an influencer for them, and then. There were startup brands that, you know, there were equity conversations. There were like real business conversations. Yeah. And you were always, I, I mean, which is one of the many things I love about you, but if you didn't believe it, you didn't do it. And that's why your people are your people, right? Like if you endorse something, it's because you love it and you feel it in your heart. So as those opportunities were, would come up, I remember different brands would say to you, well, we're, well you're not going to be a soul cycle instructor forever. And you're like, wait, hold on. I, I, why are you thinking about that? Like, right. And we would have these conversations and it just didn't feel right. So you didn't take, which some of these were very good and big deals, but you didn't take any of them. Yeah. I passed on a lot of, I passed on a lot of things during my soul cycle career. I also built, I built my Instagram following. Um, Naturally. Yeah. All by yourself, just being yourself. Yeah, um, and I did get approached by a number of companies all the time, and I passed on a number of things, um, or I would, I tried a couple things for a little while, and, and then I would step away from them, um, and I never felt totally aligned with a brand until I found Arbonne, um, and when I found Arbonne, it kind of all clicked, it all connected, um, for me that they're a company that doesn't test on animals, that was huge. They're a vegan company. Well, because you have huge. your two dogs, I tell her, uh, for people that don't I've know. I've adopted two, uh, I have two rescue dogs, um, which is super, super important to me. I worked for a rescue for about a year and a half. Um, your girls. My girls. Yeah. They Gorgeous. are just the Gorgeous. loves of my life. They're, I have one German Shepherd Rottweiler mix and one um, full German Shepherd. They're both both adopted and I love them so much. Um, so that's really, really important to me that, that I'm using brands um, that don't test on animals. Um, and I certainly wouldn't promote a brand that does. Um, they're a vegan company. They've been vegan for 42 years, which is kind of unheard of because now vegan is a trend. Vegan and non-toxic um, right. is a trend. But if you think about when Arbonne started in 1980, that was like, I was alive who then, the, by the who way. Who in the 80s? I was alive then, by the way. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Who in the 80s was talking about vegan, non-toxic products? No one. No one. I can guarantee you it was like full toxic and yeah. full non-vegan situation. Like, yeah. It was the opposite of that. No one. I mean, so the company has always had these values. Um, everything is third-party tested. They have endless certifications on everything is gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, nut-free. They're halal certified, they're kosher, like everything. Um, they go above and beyond to make sure that everything in their products is 
safe and beneficial for your body. So yeah. when I learned about all of these things that the company was doing, on top of that, they're a certified B Corporation, which means they're held to the highest standards in terms of quality, in terms of um, what they do for the people who work for them, in terms of community. Uh, everything is going to be waste free by 2030. Oh, I wow. mean, they're, they're doing everything. Um, and the products are just awesome. And the products work. And yeah, I love work. them. They and work. I use them. So, so I got to tell you how I started, though, with the products. When, after I had breast cancer, you and I met, and we had a tea. We would meet for tea often. And now that you're moving to Florida, maybe we're going to meet for like iced tea. But we would meet for hot tea, and it was December. And you gifted me a deodorant because I was scared to use deodorant after my my mm -hmm. mastectomy. And I was like, oh, is this even going to work? Like, I had tried a million deodorants. Well, you know I'm probably the company's deodorants, like, number one <laughs> fan, as you know, because, like, I order it all the time. It works. It's awesome. But then I was like, okay, if the deodorant works so well, like, what, what else works? So then I'm hooked on the powders. I, I, I love the powders. The, the gloss. makeup. Yeah, the makeup. Yeah, sorry. Not the powders that you drink. The makeup. Because I don't, you know me, I drink just water. But I'm a, like, a, I love these, these pressed powders. And the deodorant works. So if you, for anyone who's health conscious on that spectrum, or anybody who's had breast cancer, you need to switch to this deodorant. Or anybody who has had a history of breast cancer in their family or is kind of compromised that way, just use this deodorant. It's like one of the things that I put on my body, I don't think about. And it's just, you think that that's like a really little thing, but when you lose so much having gone through, you know, breast cancer, you want like your life to be as simple and as normal as possible after. So being able to find a replacement product that you love that works even better than the product you used to use before and you know it's not harming you is just like, I know it's just deodorant, but for me it's a big deal. I mean, it's it a is big a big deal. deal. And yeah. yeah, I mean, the things that you put in your body and on your body matter, and to not have to worry about them is a big deal. It's huge. Um, which is why I just, I 100% stand by the company. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, I know this brand is doing everything that I morally align with. So I'm just going to go all in on Arbonne. Kind of soul cycle And I'm going to cut everything right? else out. Like, that's it. I'm all in. Um, and thank God I did that because thank God I trusted my gut on that um, because I started my Arbonne business November 2019 and soul cycle closed March 2020. November 2019. November 2019, I start my Arbonne business the end of the month, so it was almost December 2019, and Soul Cycle closes four months later, yeah. March 2020. I had just bought a condo. Yeah. I had Which I had ended a up being a good investment for you. You like, you know, we're, we're like, we had talked about this. You're like, do I buy? You're like, we buy, you buy, you do this. Like, you were just very savvy. You had done a lot. You had accomplished a lot in a, a short amount of time. But I was on the hook. So when SoulCycle closed, I can't imagine what, I'm, I'm sure I would have figured something else out, but I can't imagine what, where my mental space, my mental health yeah. would have been had I not had my Arbonne business. 
Um, so it, I mean, it really saved me. And then, I mean, and then coming all the way up until where we are now, um, it's kind of like I, I moved to Boston. Yeah. I wanted all of these things to fall into place. They all did after, you know, ups and downs and mistakes were made. And, <laughs> but they all, they all fell into place. And then it was kind of like once they all, once the cards all aligned, now I'm leaving Boston. And that too feels really, really scary. But I also really know that it's right. It's definitely right. Like I just taught my last Soul Cycle Boston classes. Um, this weekend, right? Yeah, two days ago. And while it was really emotional and really sad and, and it was difficult, um, the underlying feeling was this was right. Because everything has a start and an end. And I think like, uh, and I've said this before um, in other times and I'm sure to you is don't be a bad leaver. Like knowing when to leave is just as important as knowing what to do. And I say this to my daughters all the time, you know, you can go to the party, but don't, you know, just knowing when to leave the party. You can dance on the table, know when to get down from the table. <laughs> like, that's a Greek thing, right? No one's to get, no one to get down. You can dance, you need to, you know. But I think that we often fight for things to stay exactly as they are. And what all of these things that you've talked about today and like this evolution of your, your journey the past six years have really been to let things unfold, to follow your gut, and it's okay that things end. It's okay. I, I said in my last class, um, no matter who you are or what you do, the past two years, everybody has been through incredible change, mm -hmm. no matter who you are. Right. Um, in the world. Everybody. In the world, everybody. We have all been through incredible change in, over the past two years. And for a long time, I really just wanted things to go back to the way they were. I wanted to go back to my classes, my sold out classes. I wanted to, I wanted to go back. And I was fighting like... You were resisting. Yeah, I was, I was resisting this change that, that had happened to everybody um, that really happened for people in the fitness industry. Um, and it, it was a really beautiful, freeing feeling when I finally was able to say, you know what, I'm not going to try to make things the way that they were anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to allow myself to step into what is and what will be. And That's beautiful. And I think that that's, that's what we all have to do now. It's acceptance. Is accepting, accepting what is, accepting what has changed, and then saying to yourself, okay, what do I want now? And now for me, I've realized it's not to go back to what we had at SoulCycle three, four years ago when we had our amazing community. It's, we had that and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And now that was a season. Yeah. Of life. And that we get to take forever friendships from that. Yeah. And now we get to surrender and move into what's to come. And I don't totally know what's coming moving to Palm Beach. 
but I know I know that it's right, so I just have to I just have to let it happen and see you know what that then brings no i'm tearing up obviously because i feel like sarah's like my kid basically like one of my kids in that sense and i'm so overjoyed to watch you in this space and to know like all of the good things that are still yet to come i believe the best is yet to come for you i know that you're going to have little ones running around soon enough and maybe more dogs who knows maybe so if you're not listening <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell that um, it has been a privilege and an honor to have mentored you like in this, in this way and to watch you. Now, the student is the teacher. I, I've taken just as much away today as I have ever given you, and if not more, and, and embarking on my own journey and, and, and letting things kind of fall as they as they are and following my gut but I absolutely loved our talk and where can people find you and where can people order stuff from you if they need to find you tell everybody where to find you um on Instagram I'm at sj silk like the fabric <laughs> um yeah and anyone can message me or dm me there I think that that's probably that's my go-to place that's an awesome place. And, and when you have a great last name like Silk, you wonder, like, how could I, how could I give that name up, like, if, when I get married? But your and new I, name is also awesome. Tell everybody what that well, is. Well, I never thought that I would change my name. But I you, always said I will be Sarah Silk forever, but um, Matt's last name is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. So. Okay, so you take that. <laughs> you, you take it and you run with I'll it. I'll be like, SSS. You'll be SSS. Which I'm okay with. Anyway, so much love. Love you so much.